Hey guys, and welcome to the Family Business Indaba podcast. We are the voice of African family business, promoting generational wealth and generational legacies. And my name is Tutum Tendi. And I am Nikia Amani. And we're going to be taking you through the journey of African family business. Welcome to AFF Voice of African Family Business Podcast. So great to have you here. Yes. It's such a privilege to be here. It is. So so excited. So, so excited to have you on. (laughs) Thank you, Titi. I I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I have to get ready. I have to like look the part, like (laughs) prep. Yeah. Today's an all girls show. Yeah. Beautiful. We we tend to have a gender bias, don't we? If you notice in the AFL. Yes. Yes. <laughs> really? yes. Yeah. I mean, nobody's keeping scores, so. As in. <laughs> <laughs> so explain more about what it is you do and how you've gotten to where you are today. Oh wow. Um yeah, it's a bit of a long and winding one. Um, but I'm Cameroonian by birth and I live in South Africa and I've lived here for 22 years. Um, I got to South Africa quite young. Um, well, young is always relative. I was 22 and I, and for my family and where I come from, that was really young because nobody had traveled overseas at that tender age as my dad would call it. Um, but for me, it was, um, it was a done deal. I was very clear on what I wanted to do. And I, I think it was kind, I was prepared in the fact that I just had my undergrad, my bachelor's degree, um, and, and South Africa just opened up to the world. So it was kind of just readiness and opportunity. And as a black educated young girl at the time, I think a lot of opportunities opened up to me quite early. So, so I, I, did, I did quite well in the kind of corporate working career environment um, quite early on in my career and so god got to executive level quite fast i guess again as i said it's really around being ready being prepared and kind of the aggressive nature of um west african girl right there you know <laughs> uh and, the, and a ready environment i'll say um so right yeah so that led me to senior roles quite soon in my in my career and um like in my mid late 20s um, and so, I mean, I am now 44 and I have been in, in executive roles for like 15 years. And, um, and that's, that's kind of my background. And so six years ago, I joined my husband in business and, oh boy, that was the ride of my life. I should have stayed in my executive jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So we, we re, uh, revamped a business that he's been run- he had been running for a while, for almost like seven years before I joined. And we formed a group, one entity, under the family banner uh, called Endless Life Group. And he, he's always been very excited about um, uh, his vision around enabling um, banking the unbankable and enabling the, really the poor and underprivileged in Africa, ensuring that they have access to finance and, and things like that. And so... He, he really has a passion for infrastructure, IT, and the bank. And so he runs that side of the business. 
and I did the healthcare side of the business, which is really again kind of re 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 energizing the the healthcare industry, the private healthcare industry, and bringing in the aspect of comprehensive home health services, which is really not something that is well known in 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 an African context. And we started that in 2012. Um, and uh, that's really where I come in. So the healthcare consulting part, health service delivery. Um, now we're going into the digital aspect, given uh, COVID has had its own blessing. Um, for a long time, tele- telemedicine, which is like teleconsulting, was not um, encouraged, especially in South Africa. But with the advent of COVID, um, we've seen laws and regulations revised to make provision for that. So we're quite excited about that. And so we we were launching our a very comprehensive platform for for teleconsulting um, towards the end of this year that will link up medical home health services with with teleconsulting with general practitioners nurses and some specialists. So so that is um, our business. Um, we have smaller arms to the group, um, but predominantly we are in healthcare and banking and finance, if I call it that. So yeah, that's me. I I also sit on. I love um, um, what is the governance side of things. I think I found that it's a great value in that, um, both for the private sector, for the, for business and for families. So, or part of what we do with Endless Life is that we have what we call Ella, which is our Endless Life Leadership Academy. Um, so you probably see on my Facebook page there's a whole big Ella, and it says uh, my personal slogan there, which says I do all things well, and that's actually derived from scripture which says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I just shorten it. So if you want to know more, I'd give you the Christ version. But for those who are not inclined religiously, I just say I do all things well. Um, that's not in any shape or form saying I'm perfect. It just says I try, I, I try perfectly everything I do. I try and do it perfectly. So yeah, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. Wow, that is not a nutshell. Caroline, that is <laughs> that is a whole lot. <laughs> I'm trying to like, I'm going like, okay, you have the same 24 hours in the day and you have all this that has happened. You know it. Wow, girl. Wow. So tell us, let's let's go into the crux of it. Let's let's get a deeper understanding of this journey. What would you say are the obstacles that you have faced in in, in your journey, especially as you've embarked into the family business side of it, having to Mm. work with your spouse as well as um, trying to look at your family business as something that is going to go into your future and uh, that is going to hopefully last beyond you? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, um, before, I always say when I married my husband, when we met, um, he knew I was very career orientated. I had no inclination for business. In fact, I hated it. You know, I was like, business? Hell no. All I know is people lose money and they get broke. And before you know it, they go nowhere slowly. I'm like, I, I, I because <laughs> I think, <laughs> you know, I was like, no ways. I love my nine to five. Thank you very much. I have a good salary. I can predict my future. So I didn't want all these uncertainties of business. Um, so I think, but being married over time and, and seeing him, I mean, his level of clarity and commitment is, is just beyond me. And, and I think that, that kind of rubbed off after a few years. And also, I, um, part of being in leadership for such a long time at a tender age is that you have 
somehow the opportunity to go through what I call a personal transformation quite soon if you're going to really lead people well. And so by the time we got into business, of course there are challenges, my word. So one of our biggest challenges has always been, we, we, from our family, we are like first generation entrepreneurs, right? Um, which I like the next gen. And I, so I love that concept because it, it already, it, it kind of designates the fact that there was a prior generation and then now there's a next generation. But for me, my mom was kind of a trader, I'll call her. Um, so she wasn't, she's in business, but not like an entrepreneur, like we call it today. So um, kind of the challenges was really, really getting family buy-in, you know, um, first family buy-in, then you have the challenge of generating cash, you know, and, um, and especially because we are quite passionate about things that are not, that have often not been tried and tested. We, we like, trailblazers we go into new territories and we just like bulldozers you know um so people are like oh you know uh, yeah i uh, yeah oh, this, this sounds very nice you know to provide healthcare at home sounds very fancy but uh, i'm not sure i want to put my money so we had to really fundraise ourselves within our circle within our friends and our family uh, and that in itself was a massive challenge especially when you're doing it in a family that is not entrepreneurial we we mm-hmm. so carried i mean like my sisters are all some director here or some, you know, so this whole business risk thing was very new in this family. So, so yeah, so uh, the challenges of first to market, is, it was there. The challenges of cash flow was there. Um, but I think as we grew in business, we began to realize that we had the answers ourselves. You know, like you always have challenges to always emerge, but if you dig deeper, you have all that you need to overcome the challenge. And only now we began to realize that, uh, and also just um, capacity in, in, in South Africa. I mean, in Africa, as we know, healthcare is, is a challenge, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenge. And um, so we had to be very innovative. I remember we were talking to King's College, King's Nursing College in the UK, um, to partner for, for, for training nurses. And we, we, we had to be so innovative in, in how, and, and bold, you know, because there I was like a, a th- five-man business talking to King's College and I talked to them as if I have a, an entire empire, you know, and I'm like, you know what, we need this trading. So you, you, really, <laughs> you really have to be bold and, and just know that you know what you're talking about because you've been there, you've experienced it. Um, so, so the, yeah, so the, I, I think the three most important challenges that come to mind is really the challenge of first to market for when the market is not developed for what we wanted to do. The second was obviously cash, you know, raising funds and capacity for, for, for delivering the services in the sector that we were in. Um, yeah, we kind of um, rode through the waves and here we are. Amazing, amazing. And you're very passionate about families, you know, strong families. Can you just speak about that? Um, why you're so passionate, oh. the role, and also the role you see the family playing in the business. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when I sit in a boardroom, I always give this example that when I sit in a boardroom, I have this analogy. And I tell in every boardroom, I say, you know what, a, bo- a business is really uh, a depiction of the family. I believe strongly that the whole concept of a business was derived from how a family should be governed, you know? And, and yes, we have kind of adulterated certain aspects of it um, because as time has evolved or, you know, we've 
different theories and practices have emerged, but fundamentally that's, that's my personal belief. And I think because just like a family, you have principles, you have beliefs, you should have a vision, you have players in that family um, who are key partners, be the mother, the father, and the children. And then you have external influences, right? Depending on how your, your, your parents, mother-in-law, siblings, cousins. So, so and, and, and to ensure that you're cognizant of the unit, which is the single business, for example, and keep that strong, you cannot do that without being mindful of the external family and what their influences are to this unit. And, and, and so when my husband and I met, my husband is so visionary that sometimes it's intimidating. Um, and so he's always been that. He wanted like 10 children. I was like, hell no, how many will you have? You know, I ain't having 10 children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so well, we started by just saying that, we, what do we really want to achieve? Um, who are we and how can we bring what we're passionate about together? And so we began building a common vision. And, and over time, and this has really been over time, it's really not been, um, it's, we didn't wake up like this, as you say, in these days, you know, we, we didn't just craft this and become this. But over time, we've really realized that we are as strong as what we've agreed to achieve. And having that vision or sense of direction in terms of where our family is going, not just in the next five years. In actual fact, as I said, we, 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 we plan so much that but we give room for, for deviations because we just, I mean, as business people, we understand that things are not cast in stone, on stone. You know, there are always um, external pressure and, and dynamics that come, socioeconomic or political, that influence changes. Same thing for the family. So the passion really comes by knowing that the moment the family unit is strong enough, there is no storm they cannot weather. You know, and we realize that with our marriage first, that we first needed to become such stickler for each other that in business or in every, every, anything else, we just kind of be derived from the strength that we've built in our relationship and then with our children. So we, and just as well, that was when we had one daughter. So we began to really teach her what it means to be, have a vision and how that enables her in her swimming. She used to be a swimmer then. So we would not really give her directives on how many days a week she should swim. She, we said, okay, what is your, what is your vision? So if, for you to achieve this, what do you need to do? And so we, we, she kind of managed herself around that, you know. Um, and that's, that's really what helped, helped us. It's really being clear about our, our vision and how we wanted to achieve that and the values that we wanted to hold each other accountable to um, as a family for us to move forward. So when we went into business, it was so seamless because those have been entrenched in us for a while. Um, and we had to just show up in the business setting with those values. Yeah. And we still do that now. So now we have the privilege of helping other families do the same. Um, but because we've, 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 we've walked that journey together of being clear of what our vision is, what our mission is, what our core values for the family are, and, and what we want to see our children and our children's children look like, you know, and we have those conversations on an ongoing basis within the family. Okay. There's so much to unpack from what you've just said. Um, so, right. First things <laughs> first. You're talking about your vision and you're talking about your mission and you're talking about your values. Obviously, I'm, um, I'm a lover of governance and especially family governance. So that really speaks to my soul. Um, and I want to have a, 
a better understanding in terms of um, when you when you're talking about strategic family vision. How mm. did you get to a point where you realized or where you really strongly felt that family family strategic family vision should be in place and mm. certain ways of uh, operating governance uh, like structures should be in place for our family and mm. um, that they're important in terms of us operating and moving the business forward as mm-hmm. a family because for many many families uh, it, they focus on the business and they focus on how the business is succeeding and what's happening there and you find a lot of families start to disconnect with each other and um, mm-hmm. they find different ways of um, healing within the business but never really truly focus on family itself but from the way you're speaking and everything you're saying you have found a balance and a way of navigating um, of putting your family at the core of things and understanding that your family is the key to unlocking the success of the, the, the business and continuity. Can you please share more about that, especially how you got to this space and why it's so important to you and your family? Yeah, so thank you for that. I think, I think by disposition, even when I was younger, I loved peace and I loved unity amongst my siblings. So um, my parents would tell when I was in school, I have four, I'm the, I'm the second of four girls and we have three younger boys. So we're seven in our family. And, and I was a fighter. So every day at school, I had a fight, you know, because I was always fighting someone for fighting my sisters. So I was like the tiger of the sisters, right? So I always had a fight. And I, and I realized that as I was growing up, that I had that disposition to protect, to, to guard my sisters. I wasn't the first, I was the second, but I'll fight my older sister's friends for trying to beat her up. I, I was just, I just had that disposition. And then I'm, my husband, his disposition is really to peace, but he's more calm, gentle. You would think he, he has no view because he's quiet, right? But the levels of clarity that operate in his mind is like just out of this world. And so when we met, we really had challenges when we were younger. Like I was too boisterous and I was very clear on what I wanted to achieve. And that didn't really involve him. Like if you're there, thank you. But if you weren't there, I was still going to do it, you know? And we realized that we kind of slowly would move into very opposite direction and do our own thing. And that really was not serving our marriage. And in the, and in the same time, I think people travel different routes, you know. And in the same time, I was growing in my relationship with the Lord. And I realized that there's something about unity and, 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 and clarity that brings that unity. And so we became clearer amongst ourselves you know we've gained clear who who does what like so i brought a lot of my management knowledge and practices what i used to do in the workplace into my home like this child i would say oh no if we don't write it down we're not going to be committed to it (laughs) so we learned to write things down i was like no no talk is all good talk is cheap i used to say that like talk is cheap let's write it down so that's how and then we grew again into evaluating our our goals annually. So now with our family, with our girls, we do this quarterly thing where we sit down and we review and they actually review that dad. I'll give you a, a funny story. Um, so I think about two years ago, uh, we're doing our, one of our family evaluation sessions, right? In the, at home. And um, the girls were evaluating their dad as, so they evaluate him as a dad, right? Like how they feel he's relating to them and things like that. And, um, and the little one say, you know what daddy, she was about, I think Mulema was probably like, seven or eight and and he gave him feedback and said you know what dad 
you're doing very well. Yes, you pick us up from school and all of that, but you're not attentive. Like you're not there. You just pack, you just draw, you just, I'm like, come up, we get into the car and you're on your phone and you're doing, you're, you're not, that, that thing is not working. Yeah, like really, like, and my, and because we've been doing that with our girls, they're quite honest and they can be brutal. So you know how the kids on this, this generation can really be brutal with the, with the truth. And he was like, really? I'm the most available dad. I get to pick you guys up. It's like, daddy, we're not talking about picking up from school. We're talking about you paying attention. Or we're giving you feedback about how school was, who did what. You don't even hear. You don't even ask questions because you're not paying attention to us. And, and that's the kind of platform we've created over the years. And again, that did not start when we got married. Over the years, as we learned to write down the vision, we learned to agree on the vision, we said, okay, we need to hold each other accountable through the year. Like if we leave, we just let it, we start agree on it in the beginning of the year and we only come back next year to say, okay, then we, we're not quite holding each other accountable, right? So we, we learn to write it down and hold each other accountable through the different quarters of the year like we do in the office. Like I'll say, you know what, to do that, you know? Let me give you an example. You traveled to Cameroon or you went to Ghana. How many times did you call me? And we'll be honest. Like, I mean, I need to feel like your husband to me. You know, like, did you call me? No, you called me like on a, you called me for 30 minutes and told me that you were receiving a business call and you dropped. So, so we, we created spaces for honest feedback. You know, and, 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 and then there was no, because of that, it, it, we, we quickly realized that it was actually, we were teaching each other how to love differently how to build a family differently. And then we extended it to, our, to even to our ecosystem, like our extended family. We, we started a, 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 a practice of family, December, Christmas get together, the entire family. And my family is big. As you can imagine, we have seven siblings and we're all married. And the average is three kids. I'm the only one with two kids, right? So we get together every December and it's, uh, it's, it is chaos. <laughs> Okay, but it is chaos that nobody would trade. Now it's 11 years into that practice. So, so my, my sisters now have also fallen in love with the fact that, you know what, this whole governing a family like a structured unit with understanding that there are periods when you need to review who you are and you're not just throwing your toys around because there are principles and values that you've agreed on works. It, it really is, and it's worked for us. So, so in business, the same thing we do. And, and, um, and we also agree that silence doesn't mean it's a problem. Like my husband and I can drive in a car for 20 minutes, for example, and we're just having our me time. We're not talking to each other, but we, we're quite contented. We're happy. You know, so there are certain things we've learned over time that works in a family that traditionally was not really uh, practiced. And so we've converted that and made it actual. So like we have our 10-year family strategy and it's very clear. So like my girls will know that they, they promised to publish a book and they are behind that. You know, they, they quite haven't done that yet. And not because we asked them to, but because they wanted to. So it's really setting, setting those principles and goals and practices and holding each other accountable. Because if, if you put all of those things in place and you're not able to hold each other accountable, then there's no point. You know, but the environment must also be enabling that accountability is not punitive. 
you know mm. so yeah so that's mm. <laughs> i don't even know where to start <laughs> so the whole concept of performance reviews you know a, a light just went off in my head when you were talking about that yeah. and you know like how in business they say you know you should have timely reviews yeah. so it's maybe something mm-hmm. that you just look back and review my performance over one whole year but actually the best reviews you know on the go yeah, on the fly on the and that's what you've managed to you know essentially apply into your family units and created a culture yeah. that that works with us that's really really amazing and you know me i'm all things next gen my passion is next <laughs> just thinking about you know the strategic family vision that yourself and your husband you know started and came up mm. with how do you include your daughters in that vision such that they see it as part of theirs and not something that yourself and your husband are imposing on them and they they really take ownership of it and their carriers of it how how did you and your husband manage to do that yeah no thank you for that my my oldest daughter is 20 um she actually has a youtube channel and she is i think she will make a next gen ambassador really great because she i think she's born into this family governance way more than we anticipated actually like god has been good um but that's also because we allowed ourselves my 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 husband and i we don't claim to be perfect neither to know it all so with our kids we are actually very vulnerable so we got to a point where we realized that the only way to win them over was to be vulnerable with them right so so they know that we also swinging it as we going along it's not like we've mastered anything we cannot you know learning and practicing as we go along and what doesn't work we unlearn so it's really bri- having your children become partners partners in life not just in family so there is really nothing about the business they might not know the day to day intricacies but they know the shareholders they know who shareholder we are upset with and which we are not they know they know they know everything about us you know because from i, I even remember my oldest daughter when she was younger she was born in the year 2000 and when she was young i was still very i used to smack her like i used to, I, i still i still believe in in physically hitting a child right i used to do that but as as she became older i think as she progressed i realized that no i develop other skills and i began to have those conversations with her you know what love i'm like no i make a commitment never to touch you again and i and i, I will talk about it like why and i i told her why and she understood why i'm like you know and i want to actually ask you to forgive me for the times that i have had i've done that and i'm like no it's not because i don't believe that it still can achieve results it's just because i have now learned that i can be different and still achieve the same result i want with you but not being so fearful so i told her that i chose not to parent from a place of fear but from a place of faith that all that i believe she will become for herself she will become so it's really about conversation is one being willing to be vulnerable is about having there is no conversation with a child that is um what to call it that is unnecessary every conversation we have you have with your children might sound irrelevant at the time to the child but they are listening that's one of the things i've learned um over the years my daughter is now 20 and the younger one is 15 is that even the conversations i thought they were not listening or not paying attention to i later found out that they were actually listening in their own way and so 
so back to your question about the next gen, how, how have we managed to bring them along? And I think that's exactly how we brought them along. When I, when we then, when my husband and I then decided that I would join the business as well, full time, we had made a whole list of what we would potentially trade off. Like if the business couldn't, didn't work, right? We, I mean, and we brought our kids on board. We said, you know what? This is what, this is what the risk are. The worst case scenario that we could potentially lose our house. We could lose a few, we could have to probably downsize a few things. We could lose the cars. You know, we actually brought them on board, but we said, you know what, this is what we feel like the Lord is really demanding of us. Would you have us do it or will you have us not do it? I remember when business was really, I think it was 2016, 2017. Those, I mean, 2018, those are the years if I didn't pack up and leave, I mean, like really business was terrible. And I was really down and out. And I came to my oldest daughter and I asked her, Love, would you have me go back to work? Should I just find a job and go back to work? And she looked at me and she said, you know what? No. If you go back to work, you'll be very miserable. You're doing what you like. So carry on. We'll wait. And for me, that was, that was simply evidence of, the, of having conversations with your kids where they, 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 they learn to hold you accountable to a vision, not not just to day-to-day events and happenings, but they know that what really makes you happy is pursuing that which you like, you know? And so they, they kind of really just embodied that for themselves. And, 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 they, and, they, and they really define it. I mean, my, my youngest one plays tennis. She wants to play tennis and she says she doesn't, she doesn't succeed in tennis. She wants to be um, a chef. She wants to go into culinary services. She, has, she says it quite bluntly. She is not running no banking, no healthcare service. She can outsource that for somebody to manage, but she has her own passions because she understands that as a family, the vision is around um, impacting lives, right? But also ensuring that, I mean, one of the discussions we had very recently, um, and we're telling them that it is your responsibility to manage and duplicate whatever daddy and I have managed to bring so far. Should we not be here even tomorrow? Our dream is only that you don't deplete it. Whatever you do, don't deplete it. If you can, just keep doubling it so that your kids also have the responsibility not to deplete. We always ask you that you don't deplete. Okay? Change it. Do whatever you go. Go into mining if you want. Do farming if you want. Whatever else you want to do, just don't deplete that which we've handed over to you both in terms of values, principles, and resources. And if you can build on it and hand it over to the next. So it's really, uh, that, yeah, I, 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 I learned it all to the importance of being vulnerable, the importance of inclusion, no matter their age, include them in those conversations. And be willing to tell them that, yeah, yeah you came back from work and you're very, you're very upset. This happened, that happened, maybe you lost business, the contract didn't work. So we have those conversations riding back from school or whatever. And so they understand the intricacies of the business, even though they are not there. So they quite, I think they're quite ready, but they're ready in their own definition. Like they don't want to be involved, but they, they, they want to carry it on and just have, be an overseer, if that's, if that's the word, but not be involved in the day-to-day. They have no passion for healthcare or banking. Even the older one has more passion for architecture, or housing, building of houses and decorating houses. And we're like, that's fine. That's, that's, that's you. Just bring it into the family vision and maintain who you are. Yeah. Right. Um, 
this is where it gets complicated. So <laughs> I see that um, just the way that you run your family is unique and it's beautiful. It's a natural governance um, in action and you've managed to pave a way that um, allows your family to communicate better with each other and um, go mm. forward knowing who they are, what they represent from the family perspective and as well from an individual right. perspective and giving their own identities. But mm. as we all know, um, as, as families grow, the complexities mm. of family also grow. And currently yeah. you've been nurturing well the founders and, they, and the governance system in place while the founders are there. And you've mm. also been nurturing that um, sibling partnership and yeah. uh, giving them direction as to what your wishes would be and um, how you would like them to respect the, the values that you set in place as well as mm. um, the, the thought processes that um, you've, you've um, cultivated in them both. What do you see going into your future when it gets a little bit more complex? Because at some point in time, um, like you said, you were born into a family of seven, but you yeah. were like, no, I'm only having two and we're good like that. <laughs> and um, you also have um, the complexity of that your daughters will at some point probably choose They're to get married. married and have families of their own. That's and right. um, they may decide, you know what, like I did. I know I, I grew up in a family of two kids, two girls as well. And I said, oh, I don't want my kids to be lonely. And if anything happens, I don't want one to not have the other. So let me have yeah. a bonus baby. And <laughs> yeah, bonus baby is all that bonus. <laughs> and so let's, um, let's, let's put um, a picture here where you're going into this future and um, you've now added the branches to your family, the two branches mm -hmm. that are the siblings. And the mm -hmm. siblings with them themselves have um, added their own little ones. And you have a next, next gen looking mm. into becoming part of um, this family legacy you're building. Mm. What, what conversations have you had now that start cultivating um, that value system or those values you want to go forward? Because now it's, it's it's a unique thing you and your husband understand each other yeah. and you brought your children into it and they're part of this understanding but as we all know families as they grow bigger and in-laws come in the in-laws might not come from a structure similar to the ones your children have grown up in mm. and they bring Very their true. own complexities with it mm. and mm. Um, those complexities become complex within themselves yeah and um, so what, what do you think, um, looking into the future, before we look back into the past, yeah. what do you think or what have you done now to start having those formalized governance conversations that secure the values and mm. the vision into mm. more concrete cultures? This is yeah. the way we do things around here. And yeah. um, it would be good us if we are like you said you would like them to maintain the wealth that you're building now mm. how are you putting in place measures for them to maintain the governance mm. that mm. you're putting in place now 
that's very important because that speaks to financial planning and it speaks to several dimensions of of uh, family governance right um and which is my husband is really good at so um i'd like I mean, in terms of, I, I listened to your podcast, Anani, with your husband, and I really was blessed by it because I could really, I could really appreciate it. It's about harnessing each other's expertise and skills and, and really trusting that, you know, what you're doing the best you can. So for us, for example, it, our will is very clear. I mean, we, um, that our kids, like even my, my ring, we have those conversations often. I tell them that even my ring is never to be sold. You didn't buy it, you don't sell it. So, so you can only build on it. I told him that you can add a diamond, but you're not to take out any diamond. So the only thing we expect is keep adding. Don't deplete. So that we have it written down and we have conversations from the least things to the greatest thing. Like even the home we live in, we still have this conversation. They always ask us, Mom, why don't you guys want to sell this house? Like move into this house and all of that. We're like, hang on. Maybe it's also because of where we come from. I mean, we, you know, traditional West Africa, uh, even, even Zim, I know it's even common in Zim. We don't like to sell land. We don't sell houses. We, we keep and we, we, we convert into something else. We might convert it into an office or we convert it into, into a, a restaurant or whatever, but you, or even a holiday or whatever it is. We believe in passing on, right? So, so Mars and I still have some of those conservative ideas and i and i know it's conservative it's old school but for the for the sake of a culture with our girls we know that they will marry and and both of them really want to marry even though they're young they, they could change their minds in the future i mean we also are aware of that you know what you want when you're 15 and when you want when you're 25 is completely different you know so but as of now <laughs> they want to marry and we talk about this whole they ha also have a list of the kind of guys they want and I mean, initially, my 15-year-old wanted to marry a white guy. We're like, okay, where is, why? Like, we talk about these things. And we really have, and that's the thing, we have really conversation. We even talk about what happens if your husband commits adultery. At one point, you, what is your threshold for, for saying this is now a divorce? When do you think that you get to a point where you say, this, I can take no more? What is that threshold? So my girls and I, just last week, we had that conversation to say, okay, Tell me about your threshold. What is that place or what is that thing that you believe now that your husband would do that would result in not, is, this is the end. And so we had a debate back and forth. So, so we build a culture of communicating. I think that's a very, that's a big one, you know, and that nothing is off the table. There is nothing we cannot talk about with the girls. I mean, I, I used to have sexual, I started sexual education with my girls when they were five. Like, and, and we don't call a penis a winky. We call a penis a penis. I don't want winkies, wee-wees, those stories, because that's not what they are. So I always, I always, I want real conversations. I've always been, yeah. So we've learned to talk about the hard stuff and the easy stuff. And, 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 and because they are growing, their views change over time, but there's also room for that because we are not, as human beings, we have to, we always reinvent ourselves and that's completely open. Um, so we talk about when they have husbands, how do they want to treat their assets? So they have those conversations with my husband all the time. Like, I mean, do you want to manage in community of property? Do you know what that means? Do you know what manage out of community of property? Do you want what that means? So they have to define that for themselves. I'm fine if they want to marry out of community of property. I don't, I don't have a, a bond to what they own. I think that 
Once they have it, they have it. How they do it, we, we can leave them with the principle and the culture of don't deplete. But of course, as you know, as human beings, every, every generation has to use that culture as it sees fit. You know, um, so, so, so I, th I think that's where I answer the question because the future is really unknown to all of us. Mm. You know, the kind of guys they will marry is really unknown. We mm. can only hope that they marry an individual that would see the value in where they come from and what they've, how they, their family has worked and governed themselves historically and we'll see how they can twist that because we're not saying copy and paste. This is not perfection. This is try and error and that has resulted in something good. We do know that we've built something good, but it's not perfect. So they can always reinvent it and always add to it and adapt it because times will change, you know, decades change and things evolve, you know, we don't want to completely be in the, in the, in, in the new, in the new dispensation post-COVID. We don't know how that would look like. So, and even, I remember a conversation they had between the two of them and they're very close. And the one was saying that, you know what, what will happen? Um, I think we were talking about um, responding to each other when they now have a husband, like the older one is 20 and they have a five year gap, right? And, and, and Javier was telling the younger sister, that, you know what, I'm now at a vegan call, but know that when I, when, when I now have a relationship, that relationship becomes my priority and no longer you. And I found that really powerful conversation for, for a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old to be having that when she then gets married, she's not running around for her little sister like she's doing now. She then mm -hmm. has a relationship to prioritize and not her little sister. And she wasn't happy. Of course, she was like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. Like, I, then she said, oh, your husband, will, your husband will leave to spoil me, so I'll still be a priority, <laughs> you know. <laughs> So yeah, so I think while the future is not known, the, the principles of open and honest conversations will hopefully still traverse time, right? The principle of loving each other and finding a way to always reach out mm. would hopefully traverse um, that. The principle of forgiveness, because our family vision is love, peace, and mercy, and that has governed everything we do. So I'm hoping at least that will be safeguarded into their future. Wow. So there's so many elements of the way your family values, your priorities, your vision. It's very counter-cultural in terms of the African typical mm. culture. Yeah. Right? Um, you, from a very young age, you've given your girls this voice where they can criticize mommy and daddy yeah. you know, on a periodic basis and they don't hold yeah. back. You know, yeah. how was that a conscious decision? that yeah. we will define our family's culture separate from our culture of origin. Yeah. And what was that process like? Did you grow up in a similar home to the home you're, you're, you're building now? Or was it very different? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us. So how do you make that? How, so, so, you know, um, you know on, on your Facebook Live, I was saying that we'll see more cultural pioneers. And, and I think you are a, a model yeah. of that. Yeah. How did you and how did you and your husband create this culture? Yeah, I don't know. I think I think to a greater extent, there's a deposit that is in each of us that drives us in spite of where we come from. I firmly believe that that um, by by God's divine mercy, there's something deposited in each of us when we are born 
that yes, our environment influences who we become, but if, we, if we're just willing to dig deeper in who we truly are, we can ignite that unique element. You know, just not our, our fingerprint and our DNA, but we can really ignite that unique character element that puts, sets us apart in life in our own unique way. All right, that enables us not to, not to be a duplicate or a mimicker of anything, you know. And I think in bringing up our girls, that's really what we've sought to do, is to try and ignite, to let them know that there's a powerful, unique identity in them that only med med meditation and deep reflection will get them to that point. And when they find it, the world will be an absolute um, pleasant environment for them to dwell in. And I think for me, that has been, that has been true because... When I, when I left home, I, be, I had to find myself. And now I didn't have my mom and dad around, neither did I have my siblings. I was the only one in South Africa for a long time. And I think finding, finding my voice in God really big, helped me, you know, fast track that process. Because I think really meditating on who I was more in God and not just who I was as, my, as a daughter from the Aki family, right, really helped me in that journey. And I realized that, yes, I come from um, this background, but I can harness the good elements and good for me. That's because what is good for me from that background? I mean, you might, you might have seven siblings and we all define what was good and what was bad differently, right? Because our, our characters and our personalities are so unique. So I had to harness what was good from that and then blend it with what I want and how I see the future. And I'm so grateful because I, my husband and I could come to that point of cohesion quite soon in our marriage, you know, and, and we decided that no. I mean, my husband is quite timid. He's not the one to have a sexual conversation and call a penis a penis, like what the heck, are you really crazy? So I'm the, I'm the more boisterous when I'm like, no, okay, you, you sit. So, but what we try to do is that we have the conversations together. I'm like, you sit, look cute and handsome, I'll, I'll do the talking, right? Because you can have this conversation, but we have to at least play the part as if you can, right? And over the years, he's, he's been, he, he's transformed. He buys parts, he buys underwears. I mean, he's always sitting in shops doing all the most craziest things. I mean, my 20-year-old say that he runs out of the shower and doesn't have a part, for example, and then sends daddy to the, sends daddy to the shop to buy a part. And that's how he's also had to grow with the family. And so... I think for me, what really made me redefine this culture for my family is really becoming more clear about my personal identity in Christ and that there is something in me that can, can create something new, not only for myself, but even to influence others, do that for themselves. So when I became clearer, I, I could become more intentional. I could become really deliberate about everything I did. I remember one exercise, I'll give you about the evaluation phase. So one day I picked up my girls from school and we got home and, and we had a huge fight in the car. I think we're talking about, we're just disagreeing all along. And so we got to the garage, we pulled in and I said, nobody gets out of the car. We're three of us, their dad was in Cameroon, he traveled for business. I said, nobody gets out of the car. We have to sort this out now and then. Given that the Bible is our basis for reference, I need you girls to evaluate me on all, I think there are 14, you know, 
1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 talks about love is kind, patient, bears no record of wrong done. All of those things are about 14 elements. I said, evaluate me on every single element and how I'm performing. Do I hold you guys, do I hold a record of every single wrong thing you've done? And you know, that evaluation was brutal. But I made them confident that they could do that without any consequences. I wasn't going to hold, and like hold it against their head. And that always resonates with them for why they can even give me feedback. Like my daughter can come in now here and say, you know what, mommy, this your hairdo? I don't know what you thought it was, but it ain't working. You know, so we have created that platform over time. And it's because I was intentional. We were both intentional about it. And, and, and every day we really were deliberate about creating the platform to enable that new culture for our, for our family and then influence our external family. Now our external family do the same. I mean, because, you know, something that you see works, it's easy to then add your flair to it. You know, you can add your own spice to it and make it good for you. And I think I love the work you guys are doing because that's exactly what you're doing um, with the family governance and next gen is that you're, you're teaching what the principle is, but you're allowing families to add what is uniquely theirs to it. And it's, and it's beautiful. Yeah. Good. Wow. Amazing. Um, you are a dynamite. And um, <laughs> uh, I think we're learning so much from just having this conversation with you. Um, just um, to take us back a little bit. And I think um, before we wrap up, do you have any questions you may have for me and Nike? Yes, of course. The same, almost <laughs> the same question Nike asked me. You know, I mean, if I look at you ladies, you guys are like young, vibrant, super successful. I love it, by the way. I actually have such respect for the two of you. I love what you're doing. I love everything about you. Like everything. Thank you. Thank you. But the question is, what brought you to this point? I mean, like what about you made you so passionate about family governance? I can bet you, I'm sure your millennial colleagues are like, what the heck? What kind of business is that? You know, what brought you to this point? Why, why are you so passionate about family governance and next gen. What is the story behind it? I know we all have stories, right? So you've heard a bit of my story. I'd like to hear what inspired um, this passion. Ceci, you start. I think on a personal level, my, my personal journey has always been about identifying my why. Why do I do things? And um, does it make sense to me? And if it makes sense to me, why do I say it makes sense to me? How will I be um, investing in other people? And um, what value will it give other than my own self-gratification? Because mm. I think it's, we live in a world where we have been taught to be a bit narcissistical we are on mm. Facebook, we're on Instagram, yeah. or on Twitter. We like the, the sound of our own voices. We like to, we, mm. we want to do things that are self-beneficial and we are yeah. taught to do things that are self-beneficial. And to a certain extent, it's, it's within our human nature to look after self and to be self-protective. Mm. But then as you grow and you you become conscious i think i uh, because i'm a montessori parent i love watching children grow and um discovering themselves and understanding their purpose and i think it's understanding that purpose that's really important who am i and how do i fit into this big old world and how can i give back to this big old world 
And yeah. so that drives me um, in everything I've done from the previous businesses I've done. My first was uh, in the publishing uh, business mm. and it came after a personal tragedy. Um, the, the school, because I feel that more children need to be conscious about finding their own voices, finding their own identities mm and then living out uh, their lives true to that. Because you can only truly give back and invest in something when you know who you are and you know how you're giving back. Otherwise, you're, you're always running around in circles trying to find out if I'm good at this. or and, and I think the traditional way, especially in Africa, is that get into a career and stick with it. Yeah. And so we have since learned that wow, you can change careers midway through oh, yeah. your life. And, <laughs> and um, so it's not about just changing careers. For me, it's been about what feels good, what feels right, and what makes me wake up every morning and feel energized, even when everything else is telling me it's not working. So it's, it's, it's passion and purpose. Yeah, passion and purpose. And I love Powerful. families. I love families. Powerful. Yeah. You wear it well. You Thank wear your you. passion and purpose well. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and I think for me, it's honestly very similar to Sissy, passion and purpose and service. Yeah. Um, my journey in the space was very much inspired by, you know, my own personal challenges that I faced. You know, mm. I often say that um, quite often our greatest passions come out from our greatest you know, trials. Struggles. Yeah. That's greatest struggles. And it's honestly yeah. very true. Had I worked, because I worked in Deloitte in London before I moved back to Nigeria, had I still been there, you know, as a senior manager in Corporate Tax International, mm. I really sincerely doubt that I would have thought, mm. oh, here's this great opportunity to set up a family business consultancy to help, to help the next generation in exactly. Africa. So it really wasn't an opportunistic one in terms of evaluating a space that was unmet. But really, when I was going through my darkest moments, the support mm. I would have needed at that point in time wasn't available mm. on the continent, um, wasn't available by someone that understood my position and what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And so it was really just to help those people that have, I believe, you know, are in similar situations as myself, a lot of oh. next students do grapple with finding their voices, finding their leadership, collaborating with their parents, collaborating oh. with their siblings, and really they are the future of the family business. Um, how, whatever form the family business will take, whether it's still going to be that same manufacturing plant that moves over and Shade takes over, or exactly. whether it's Shade comes and adds a different flair to it, or she sets up another unit within it, you know, oh. like the conversation we had on, on your yeah. Facebook Live. <laughs> so, yeah, I think um, it's really about helping next gen so that they realize that they're the future. And I think they have a lot more power than mm. realize, and their voices matter. And yep. it's just helping them to, to see that. And Power isn't necessarily um, in the way we traditionally think of it as, like, you know, occupying that position of authority. No. Or Not at all. The orders that people, you know, everyone is mm. a leader. And you can lead exactly. and you can influence, not necessarily from that position. Um, mm. And with, without necessarily um, 
battling for power with the existing reigning king, right? That's um, right. So yeah, that's, wow. That's, yeah. So you guys are doing a sterling job. I mean, power is a new IIR, right? It's like it's influence and impact and, and, and return on other people's lives and not just yours. So that's, that's a new sexy power. It's not a title or a position and a yeah. beautiful corner office and everybody bowing down to your existence, even, even when, no, we've gone way past that dispensation. Yeah. yeah. So, so I really, really love what you guys do. And I'm like, wow, I mean, I literally, this is so fabulous. No, um, my husband and I, we have, um, we started, to, I was studying Titi last, it's this year, actually, a few months ago, I was studying Titi that we started a family school because we realized that um, we had actually experienced something or built something, as you say, a new culture that people were still struggling with. I mean, people are really struggling on how to leave their, 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 their parents' ways of doing things and create something that is truly theirs and that is uniquely them and bringing in the best version of themselves to create something beautiful. And so, so that's really what we, we're doing with, with, with the family school and we, and we call it Inspiring Complete Leaders, you know. And it's from the same vision of winning at all things. So leaders will win with their families and they win in business. Because for a long time, I think, in my generation, we, we often, especially women, we often felt like to succeed in business, you often, probably your marriage will fail. I don't know if you guys have heard that rhetoric before. In, in my generation, a lot of women yes. feel like, yeah, you know. So it's about reaffirming the fact that, no, you can win in all things. You just have to, you just have to be creative. You just yeah. have to create something new. And be willing to collaborate with your partner. Your partner is a collaborator. It's your partner. It's not. A, it's not a competition. If you compete within your own house, you've lost it before you even start. Mm-hmm. I when I went, before we got married, I remember a lot of people that yeah. would give me advice, or they would just doom and gloom prophecies about how I would have to choose. You know, um, oh. choose one. How you know I can't do this because you know he will get. He will feel like. Oh. But, Actually, no. Um, my husband has been my greatest, greatest cheerleader, my greatest yeah. partner. And I think that was why I was so, my eyes lit up when you were talking about the way you're raising your family is quite often we, we copy what we, we saw. We imitate, yeah. you know, the households we, we were brought up in. But a lot of the time we have to consciously decide and say, no, this is not what I want. I might not have yeah. seen what I want modeled out for me. But this is what I want. And I'm going to work towards that. Yeah. And that was the case with myself and my husband. We just decided this is the kind of life we want to live. Yeah. No, I mean, I think consciously unlearning is a key in leadership. Like you have to consciously unlearn some of the things that some paradigms or even stereotypes and beliefs that you've been brought up with. I, I mean, I, like I talk about sexual education, right? I mean, I had to consciously unlearn like literally, I feel like I am always treated like a, a what do you call it, a sore thumb because I am quite, I'm a Christian, but I'm very vocal about sexual education at all ages. And I don't, and, and some people think the more you talk about it, the more they'll do it. I'm like, no, I grew up in a culture where you don't talk about it, but they do. Like we are, we are, we don't talk, but we are doers, right? And I, and I know that that has not worked. So now I have unlearned that and I know that the more knowledgeable you are, the better choices you can make. My kids know sexual education from anything. I mean, we talk even about homosexuality. There is no boundary to the conversation. And because I want to be the, 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 the knowledge and the thought partner, 
I don't want their friends to be that. I need to be their knowledge and thought leader in the subject. So somebody they learn from and they can ask questions to and all of that. So it's really from the small things to the big things. And you can't really win in the big things um, when, you, when you're struggling with the small things. You just have kind of really have to create an environment to relate. You know that connection? That is key. Because when you connect with your children at a level that is higher than just because your family, they have to like you. Like, like you like a person. And, and when you win at them just liking you, then you've really ticked a lot of boxes because I can, I can remember really growing up knowing if I really liked my mom and dad. I knew that they were my mom and dad, but there were times where I felt like killing them most of the time. Um, yeah, but we got past that. Thank God. Boys. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Caroline, for joining us today and sharing with us and giving us a glimpse into what a modern day African family in business looks like and also um, how you're tackling the issues of governance and next gen and forging forward to create your own unique voice and your own unique niche in the space that is family business in Africa. And we're so honored to have you on our platform sharing with us and, and giving us tips because we sure as hell do need them. <laughs> we all do. Yes. Um, um, besides that, I think for today, we're going to call it a wrap and just say, let you have your, um, what can I say, your last two cents to share with everybody and um, parting shots. Well, my last two cents will be there's no formula. Um, to the winning in family governance. The only formula is just have a sense of what you want to create. I love, I love the idea of, um, first of all, finding you. I think it's when you find you, so become self-aware. So the first thing I'll say where you start is first become self-aware. So when you become self-aware, seek to understand your unique identity and so, so that you don't mimic and then recognize what is good for your family, okay? So um, seek to recognize what be good for your family, what you want to create, what your future, what future you want to, to have, what your, your children's children should look like. And that has driven us. Um, so clarity of self, clarity of direction, and clarity in purpose, like you said, it's key. And, and when you, if you can find those three, then you can begin, and it will not be, it will not be a linear process. You make lots of mistakes, they're stumbling, but the character that will get us to win is to be honestly vulnerable, to be authentic, but to have a do or die attitude, like you will die trying, you know, and you fail again, you try again. So I think that will be my parting word. So really self-awareness, you know, clarity of self, clarity of direction and clarity in purpose and be vulnerable, be authentic, but die trying. Amazing. Thank you so much, Caroline. If anyone wants to reach you, how best can they get in touch with you? Um, yes, I'm, I'm on all social media platforms. Um, so Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, and, um, and they can also reach me even on our website, on our business website, uh, but they can also reach me on my WhatsApp number. I, I'm, I'm, I also believe in being very accessible, so I am quite accessible. So even on, on WhatsApp, they can reach out and um, yeah, we can connect and, and, and create magic. Great. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having me. Yes, this has been yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, when it opens up and I'm in, in Zim or in, in Lagos, I will shout out. Yes, 
Yes. Please come visit. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Thank